0: All that and all that gold. Oh, MP, when you've been and so welcome to the new and improved Habs Unfiltered with Less Filter, hosted by Blaine Potve, Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. We provide you, our listeners, informative, honest discussion and entertainment about the Montreal Canadiens hockey, and sometimes bad life advice. Stick around. We will be right back with a jam-packed and entertaining episode. And
1: welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode number 71, I think. I think we're at 71 or 72. We're in the 70s anyway. It's going pretty good. I'm joined once again by Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Blaine, he's finally home Potvin. Yay! (laughs) And we're glad because we had our second best episode ever on Habs Unfiltered on the charts. I'm
0: not saying it's a coincidence because it's not.
1: I wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't a coincidence, and it's strictly a coincidence, right, Matt?
2: we 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 We've already. We've already kind of talked about you know the the whole beard thing and all that. It, it might have to do with that, but I'm gonna give it to Blaine on this one and say that he was a a driving factor of why we did so well last week.
1: I will mention though, when Matt, you and I did our first show together without him, we made the biggest jump. Ever with 175 spots. Just saying. Just throwing a note there, Matt.
2: All right. Sorry. Sorry, Blaine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Matt gets us up there with the Don Cherry podcast of, you know, he gets up there, us up there with spit and chiclet territory. So oh, I, whoa, do
2: whoa, 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 whoa. I do my best. I do my best.
1: We were 17. They were five. That's only 12 away.
0: <laughs> yeah exponential numbers in between but yeah sure
1: (laughs) i don't know what the numbers were but they probably get a thousand listeners to our hundred i don't know how it works anyway uh so today's show we're going to talk about uh jeff molson's interview everyone's heard that or everyone's heard something about it correct yep uh and we're going to talk about uh the five biggest mistakes that Bergman's made so far as gm because uh molson did give him a vote of confidence on the first half, and I think that's it for the first half. And on the second half, we're going to talk prospects, uh, who we should pick at eight, and if we win against Pittsburgh, who we should pick around 16 or higher. And uh, maybe if we get enough time, we'll throw a trivia game in there, if we have enough time. If we don't, well, we won't throw a trivia game in there. How's that sound?
2: Let's uh, let's do it.
1: All right. So, Molson had his... uh, interview he was going to talk about
0: fire him now get rid of him fire oh wait, i know sorry i jumped the gun
1: (laughs) wait a minute i haven't i haven't brought bergevin up yet uh, blaine you gotta slow down i know you're excited uh anyway he had his interview uh i believe the interview wasn't really about the status of the team i think it was about what the works they were doing to uh about uh with the covid thing and around the city i think it's what the original presser was about Uh, But he took it upon himself to uh, tell the media how he felt about the team, address the president issue, and the future of the team, and how he liked it. So uh, since half of it was in French, we'll start with the bilingual guy of the group. Uh, Blaine, your thoughts?
0: Uh, I thought he did well. Matt?
2: (laughs) 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 Do you have more to add, Blaine? Oh, oh, you got? You want like an in-depth
0: review of it? or Well,
1: this, we, can, <laughs> we can jump back and forth. How does that sound? Oh,
0: okay. We can jump okay. back and no, forth. Honestly, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it started off with him going on about um, about what's going on with COVID. And then on, the French side was mostly asking about the business aspect of it, where he was letting people go. Uh, they were wondering why why he's letting people go and how many he's let go. and He really didn't give any information on that side of it uh, other than to say that the lack of hockey has caused a major uh, impact on the uh, the influx of cash and the other half of the Grup Seash, which is the entertainment company that Molson heads uh, also does concerts and, and events and clearly in COVID in this COVID age none of that's happening so there's no concerts, there's no there's nothing going on in that business, so I'm not surprised they're letting people go. And the, but he didn't want to get him into the numbers, so yeah, he he cut he cut jobs, he dropped people. Uh, the the group itself has put in for that emergency fund from the government. Um, it's really not a good PR move for the the company. But at the end of the day, what do they expect? A multi million dollar Organization, multi-billion-dollar organization to do. It's it's a business. So, I, yeah,
1: I, I think from a abs fan perspective, uh, they're looking at you're charging nine dollars for a beer and twelve dollars for a hot dog. What? Uh,
0: no, I wish it was that cheap.
1: Well, I, I'm just saying. I've never been to a game in Montreal, Blaine. I've never been to one. So, you guys have it's your little $11 fun. Dollars a beer. You guys and... have your little fun. Yeah. Um. I'll get there someday. Uh, if anyone's out there, they want to give me tickets because they feel bad about me. Treg3 at gmail.com
0: dot um, <laughs> Treg makes good money; he can
2: afford it. <laughs> Treg, you come to Montreal, I'll bring you to a game, buddy.
1: All right, buddy. Um, so anyway, and then ticket prices like for cheap seat tickets, you're still looking. I'm, I think it's close to a hundred dollars. Am I not wrong? Uh,
0: if you're if you're buying them direct, you can get tickets for twenty five bucks, but you got to be uh, you got to be jumping on those. It's usually the resale cost, so it goes through. Like, uh, I'm going to name SeatGiant.ca where you get uh-huh. the cheapest tickets because they are still one of our partners. So when they start having games again where you can buy tickets, go to SeatGiant.ca and use the promo code HabsUnfiltered and save 30% on your fees. But yeah, it's the um, it's those those companies that bring the, the cost up a little bit. So, yeah, you're looking at 100 bucks for a cheap ticket.
1: So I think that's what the fans are saying. You're making all this money, from, and you're saving all this money on cap space because you never spend it, even though <laughs> that's a different type of budget. But anyway, we won't get into that. Um, and that Molson doesn't care about the team. He only cares about making money. Um, but you're absolutely right. A million-dollar company, in order to stay a billion-dollar company, if they're going to lose, they're losing... A ton of money, a ton. Like if there's yep. no concerts, there's no hockey, there's no anything. I mean, does he st- he still owns Molson beer? I'm assuming. Um, yes. So all the money he's making is off his beer, and maybe and whatever. Whatever. Small. To be
0: honest, that beer is not that great. No,
1: it's not. It's Molson. It's kind of shitty. But uh, oh, Molson X isn't bad. But...
0: What? <laughs> I don't mind.
1: But, uh, and so, yeah, he's going to have to ask for a handout. And uh, it's no different than Bombardier or snc and Lavin or any of these other multi-billion dollar companies. Because uh, if they don't have the money, then guess what? They may have to leave. Yeah, so- exa-
0: well, and here's the thing. The, the people are thinking more with their, their hearts than they are with their heads. Correct, like this. yeah. There's that side of it. So the business side, uh, most of the French media that were going on about that, um that that's the angle that they're using because they it's it's big news in French media. But uh the hockey side of it was more uh towards uh guys like uh Renaud Lavoie from TVA. He was he was more onto the hockey side just like uh the English media like uh Arpin Basu and uh uh Stu Cowan and, and that crowd there. Except uh Arpin went with a different tact. He kinda he stuck to hockey a little bit, but it was more the social justice thing that he was he was covering. That was his uh, his angle at that press conference. If anyone saw, uh, listened to it, or watched it, they would know what I'm talking about. Especially if they've read Arpin's latest uh, article on the Athletic. It, it had less to do with the 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 hockey side, the on ice stuff, as it did with uh, off ice political leanings of the organization of players that kind of thing
1: so you're talking about ryan Paley and stuff like that uh, yeah. yeah yeah okay i mean we can get into that if you want i'm gonna switch to matt because he's been quiet over there like a like a little mouse and oh hey guys i want him to feel involved
2: so, uh... <laughs> so for me the uh, the things that stood out um obviously he talked about um the president of hockey operations um, there was a big rumor out there. Well, that Dan Foose, Foose is
1: being hired any time now. So yeah.
2: <laughs> that, that's... there was a big rumor and it seems that like that's all it was. He addressed that right away. He said that, uh, you know, I'm the boss. I've got all the confidence in the world in Bergevin, we don't need a middleman. He talked about other, um, other teams and not them not having it. So why would we have it? So it looks like it's just going to be a rumor for now. Um, another thing that was brought up is that there's a plan to create a third jersey.
1: That's actually exciting news because people have been looking for a third jersey for Montreal forever, even though I don't mind the retro jerseys that they bring out. They're kind of a third jersey.
2: They they are, but it would be nice to to get something. And And I hope they don't go, you know, some sort of artsy type thing. I hope they keep it uh, correct to the Canadians, to the logo, to the history of the team, et cetera. And uh, you know what? There's there's some people that are saying that they might even have a um, the alternate jersey might even be a white jersey that yeah, I, they wear at home, kind of like what the Sabers did.
1: There, there's a blue one going around as well that looks pretty sharp.
2: Yeah. So, but these are all these are all obviously concepts that people made. Yeah. So you never know what they're going to come up with, but let, let let's let's hope that it looks nice, whatever it is. So, so. Um. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say if you got more to say, because i just gonna ask your question. That's all. If you got more to say, you might as well continue.
2: Um, another thing that just kind of stood out for me is, um, well, there's two points. One's on the playoffs, and uh, he said um, when they when he was asked about the playoffs, and he said, uh, "I never give up hope." Is this team built to win the Stanley Cup? I don't think so, but anything can happen in the playoffs, which is which is true.
1: Mm-hmm. Now he, he took off a that. ton of people he he took a lot of flack for that cuz then they said he had he no did. confidence in the he team did. but he did yeah i agree but it's the and, same people uh, it's truthful it's a, i was just going to say blaine it's the same people that bitch and complain that montreal lies to them about everything so <laughs> at least he's not lying really
2: but but when he said that he also he also when he when he talked about the president of operations and when he talked about burgeme when he talked about the playoffs he added when it comes to bergevin that he's uh one of the most respected gms in the nhl that he has his, you know he's got his backing et cetera. um another thing that stood out to me obviously we know what's going on in the world mostly in the states um with the black lives Mat, with the black lives matter movement and everything that happened with george floyd and funeral and everything like that the protests he did add um, every player has a right to express himself and i fully support that individuals have the right to protest or not. I believe black lives matter is important. It's an important cause and our organization will continue to do so. Say that one more time. Sorry. We'll continue to do what it can to make things better for the next generation. So we've seen, um, we've seen like uh, Tortorella in the past Tortorella said that if a player takes a knee or he does, he tries to turn this into something that they're not going to be on my bench. But he's, and they won't he's right? but his mind.
1: Came, yeah, Exactly. And he came up and with he another came statement. Back, he, yeah, yeah,
2: and that's what I was getting to. He came back and said, look, he's he's got uh, he's had room to grow and you know he's uh he's kind of backpedaled from those comments. And it seems that it's gonna be the same thing if uh, a, a member of the Canadians chooses to do some sort of demonstration, um, that the team and Molson are gonna support that.
1: So what are your thoughts on him saying he has confidence in Bergevin and there's not a need of a president? What do you think of that?
2: It's it's a, it's a bit surprising for me that um, he doesn't think that he needs a uh, president of Hockey Ops. Um, I, I kind of think that um, between the two of them, they're biting off a little bit more than they can chew. I, I, I feel that... Um, maybe bringing in a, uh, a full-time GM to Laval would make, would take a little bit of pressure off of him. Um, I feel that um, bringing in a hockey operations uh, president wouldn't necessarily be a terrible thing because it would be someone that has hockey knowledge that they can bounce ideas off of. And um, we've seen it work in the past for other teams, so I, I can't see it being a, a terrible thing.
1: What do you think, Blaine?
0: do i think about his comments
1: well what do you think about him saying that he has full uh uh, trust in bergevin with his plan and and he doesn't feel a need for a hockey president or a hockey operations president
0: i don't know why this is a a surprise to anybody why would they be surprised he's not going to come out and say you know what i'm a complete failure at my job i'm going to fire myself and fire this guy that i've trusted for eight years you know what all these Twitter, uh, these people adding me on Twitter, has convinced me. Like, come on, seriously, guys. Okay. <laughs> Anyone so... who thinks he's going to change his mind over a couple of friggin' tweets, uh, you're you're delusional. I mean, he might be delusional in thinking that Berger makes the right guy for the job or not, but he's still the president. He's not going to fire himself and replace him with someone else. Let's just imagine for a moment that he came out and said, "You know what? You're right. I'm going to hire someone to take my spot as president." Do you, it, but he still trusts Bergevin. So whoever he hires, he's going to tell him, you have the job, but you're keeping my guy. He's not going to say, you know what? Yeah, free reign, fire the guy that I trust. No.
1: Okay, so what no, are your so, thoughts? That, what are your my, <laughs> thoughts?
0: My personal, thou- my personal no. thoughts on him being president, I think you could get someone better to be a hockey ops president. Molson is a great business mind. But that's not the same as being a hockey mind. So clearly, um, he and in his comments in the presser, he kind of alluded to that. So it it, it looks as if is not just the GM, but he's the de facto hockey operations president.
1: I, I was going to allude to that later too. That I think Bergevin's kind of wearing two hats here.
0: Yeah. Well, he's it's he's got the autonomy. Forward. Yeah. He's got the autonomy to basically do anything he wants, and he only goes to, uh, to Molson when it impacts large sums of money. So, uh, for instance, uh, Molson did intervene on the P.K. Subban um, uh, negotiations with that $9 million contract. Now, obviously, Bergeron didn't want to go that high, but Molson felt that it was a good investment business-wise because, you know, he's a popular guy brings in a lot of people. So they made a hockey decision based on a business point of view. Now, some fans were happy that that happened. Um, I'm glad they kept PK, but at $9 million, that kind of, at the time, the cap wasn't anywhere near as high as it is now. So that, that kind of hurt a little bit and it would have been nicer to see a lower cap hit, but that that's just one instance of, Really, I think it's the only one where Molson has intervened uh, that people knew about. And it it just shows that Bergevin has convinced Molson of whatever plan he's running right now, and Molson gives him the autonomy to do it.
1: So it must be a good plan then.
0: According to Molson, it's a great plan. (laughs) All right, so we mentioned PK,
1: so now we're going to segue into... Another thing we're going to bring up, and that's because we're talking about Bergevin and the confidence in Bergevin, about Bergevin's biggest mistakes since he's been a GM. Now, one of us three wrote an article about this for the hockey writers. It I, wasn't me. I won't name any names, but Matt doesn't write at all. And, <laughs> Blaine, and Blaine didn't write this. So, But I'm not going to name any names. Toot toot. <laughs> you can toot toot later, okay? Um, so in this article... Uh, The five that were brought up, and feel free to to bring up any ones that you guys think should be on there, because it's just his five. I mean, I'm sure there's more. Uh, Not building on the original core. So when Bergevin took over the team, he had uh, young guys like Matt Pacioretty, Brendan Gallagher, P.K. Subban, Lars Eller, Carey Price. He also had veterans in uh, Markov, Brian Gianna, Thomas Blacanek, and uh, Josh Orge. Uh, And he failed to make what he had into a contending team when he came out. Now in my opinion, I think technically he wanted to tear the whole thing down and start from scratch, but I don't think he was allowed. Uh that's just my speculation. Uh I'll just list all five and then we can talk talk about that. Uh the second one sure. is not getting a top center for uh when he traded Subban, Um and I can get into that when we discuss it. Uh the Jonathan Duran trade again gave up a, a top defensive prospect for a maybe, but it, that could all work out. We can discuss that. Carl Alsner, and then the way he handled the Markov situation. That was the five that this pretty good writer wrote for the uh, hockey writers.
2: Um, now a now, uh, now beardless, uh, beardless uh, writer. <laughs> I am so, growing it back. For
1: what I've seen. <laughs> I'm growing it back. I was teaching my wife a lesson. She hated the beard. And then I shaved it, and now she doesn't like me without a beard. So, lesson learned, wow. honey. Lesson learned. Women. <laughs>
0: uh, so, Jeez, t- what? She can never be satisfied.
1: Well, she is with me, so let can conspire for the course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's no different than your wife. So, uh, with the, so with the, <laughs> those five. Uh, do you guys agree with those five, or do you think they should be different, or, or or what do you think? So, we'll start with not building on the original core. What do you think Blaine was his plan when he first got in? Because he he said right from the start he wanted to build through the draft, and then he Honestly, went, went on to win three uh, divisions titles. So
0: yeah, well I mean they had they had a decent run uh, in those first few years, but uh, I think the first three points kind of all blend together. Correct. Yeah. Because he showed up. And he, he was talking about, I'm going to build through the draft. So his plan that he talked about in 2012, he finally started to put in place in 2017. But I think the team started to get too good, uh, too quick in that first year. And then he just started, uh, it snowballed. So then he tried to graft pieces onto that that uh, that young that younger core that was incomplete, uh, but he never got the right ones. And his trades that he made, he, he never filled the one glaring need was a centerman so he was making all these trades but it was never for that that guy who can be a number 1 centerman and, so oh go ahead and, and then when he went to the, the he finally did the tra- uh, did trade for a, a talented forward he gave up a top prospect to go and trade for a basically a winger so drew uh, clearly was a good centerman and junior but and he did well in uh, tampa mm-hmm. bay but he traded away that one blue chipper for a question mark. He didn't trade him away for someone who has proven themselves, and that was the mistake. So it blends all in. He, he, never, he never got the piece that he needed to complete the core that he had, uh, and that was his biggest error. So he and, was just chasing it.
1: And he had the assets to do it with Subban and Sergachev, like maybe not singly. But in a package, he could have, like, for instance, I bring up in the article, and we'll get you to chime in in a second here, Matt. Um, There was a deal, or talked with a deal with Edmonton for Leon Dreisidel and either Darnell Nurse or Oscar Clefboom. It would involve the fourth overall pick and uh, the ninth overall pick. So Edmonton Edmonton would have had the fourth overall pick, Dreisidel, who at the time wasn't... No one knew he was going to be what he is. Um, Darnell Nurse and or or Darnellus or Oscar Clefboom for Subban and the ninth overall pick. So that Which w- would have been a good trade. Which would have been a good trade, mind you. I think fans would have looked at that then thought it would be a, it was a terrible trade just for the simple fact that no one knew Drysaddle would be what he is now, and he proved this year it wasn't just because of McDavid because he didn't play on McDavid's line most of the season.
0: Uh, now, I know that trade fell through because of one thing, and it was uh, the Canadians wanted to get Piat-Luc Pierre, uh, Dubois at that pick, but he went one pick earlier. So Edmonton said, well, yeah, we're we're okay. We're going to keep this because we really have our eye on uh, someone else, so we're going to keep our our draft pick. So, right, because uh, they, they had the fourth pick. At that pick. Right. Yeah, and right. Puyarvi went on that pick, and that's who Edmonton was uh, was hoping for. So they just made the pick, and...
1: Because this was a draft. This was a, a from my understanding, it was uh, on the draft floor. This was a, a ready to go deal, depending on who got picked third. Yes. So if Arvey would have got picked third, this deal was done.
0: Yes. Right.
1: Well, you anything to say on that, Matt?
2: You know, I think that um, I think that Dumois was definitely their target, and there's been a lot of uh, talks that. Um, he was really trying hard to move up to that spot so he could secure it. You know, it, it would have been a great pick for the Canadians. It didn't work out the way that it was, and now we're seeing uh, Sergachev developing as a player in Tampa, and uh, it looks like it was it would be uh, a guy that could be a, uh, a top pairing or at least a second pairing guy in Montreal that uh, the Canadians could definitely use on the left side, and uh, Drew as kind of fallen short of expectations. I mean,
0: if you think about it, oh. that trade, you would have had a Dubois and Drysdale and that would have solved the Canadian center line position for 15 years and people would have been a lot of people would have been happy, but we would still have this this uh, divide in Habs nation because a lot of people truly love PK and wouldn't have wanted to give it up for anything, yeah. even if it would have made the team better. We still have that now.
1: Yes. And is exactly. playing terrible. <laughs> um, but you also would have had Darnell Nurse, so you wouldn't have had that hole. So if Or if you, bomb Or bomb. someone
0: that could have filled that...
1: That certain it, hole that's left right now by not having yeah. Sergeyev or someone capable to... So, essentially, in that one trade, which I think it was... Now, the mistake here that I put in the article was the fact that he didn't get the top center for the assets he had, such... Eight, exactly. Right? That's the mistake. I, I split it into two mistakes, but it's really just one big mistake. Okay, and you brought that up. And uh, he did. He had assets. He had them. And he didn't use them to get what he needed. I mean, he brought in Jonathan Drouin. I think that's 70% PR move. And 30% yeah. we needed a high-scoring forward. Because you're absolutely right. If he really wanted a high-scoring forward, he could have got someone that was a little bit more... Uh, um, uh, better off like a little bit more, like proven, dro- proven, yeah. And he didn't. He said, but
0: Drouin is a francophone, correct? Oh, Absolutely. So that that's a big deal there. Absolutely.
1: Uh, but uh, and that whole Drysaddle, that whole evidence trade, would have changed the whole dynamic of the Montreal going forward because with Drysaddle and Dubois, you don't draft Kokinami. And if you're drafting third, which you shouldn't be if you have those players. You should be probably making the playoffs. Maybe. Well, let's assume they didn't. Let's assume everything went exactly the same. Uh, you probably pick up Kachuk. Because you don't need a center. Or You, pick you probably up.
0: don't pick that high either.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, let's throw that out and say they'd still pick third for some awful price got hurt or something. You know what I mean? They don't pick up. And you're picking higher. You're probably picking 16 to 25 especially if drysettle plays the way in Montreal that he's doing right now in Edmonton. So,
0: well, I mean, the points wouldn't be as high, but he would be, him and Dubois would be one clearly a 1A, 1B. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be the two big, big uh, physical centermen filling in the top six mm-hmm. that the Canadians have been desperately looking for for 30 freaking years. Yeah, and, so but, that one trade would have solved the issue in one go.
1: Actually, if you really think about it, They're still going to be low on defense because now you have Nurse or Clefboom and Petrie as your top two defensemen, but no one really underneath them.
0: Yeah, no Weber, no... There's uh, no Weber,
1: there's no... Well, we don't know if there's a Sherrod because he's not there yet, but but really, because right now you have Weber, Petrie, right? Instead of having two righties that are your top guys, you have righty and the left. I guess you're about the same. You're about the same, really. You just have there's a... a lot of
0: what ifs in there, but yeah. the the bottom of the, the bottom line is that one trade would have given up a proven top pair defenseman, but in return would have gotten themselves uh, uh, someone who can fill in some of those minutes on the blue line, as well as two players who become. Mm-hmm. First, uh, who can become first line centerman? Exactly. So, so. It, it would it hurts to give up something of value, but in the in return you are getting a lot of value. Like it, it would have it would have filled the hole that was desperately needed to be filled. Yep.
1: Exactly. So, and really, that's that, oh, go ahead. Yeah.
0: And that, that's his biggest problem. That's his biggest. He's problem. He's constantly chasing the centerman, but never getting them.
1: And now, well, actually, now he has three problems. He doesn't have a centerman. He doesn't have a left wing defenseman a top-line left-wing defenseman, and he doesn't have a backup goalie. But anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But I'm a Bergevin supporter, so that doesn't mean yeah, anything. Yeah,
0: it's disgusting. Me. I mean, my God, how can you do this? You're so biased.
1: I know, because Bergevin's just the perfect GM. Uh, the other two mistakes we'll get into, we don't really have to go over them to Carl Alsner, that ended up being a mistake. And the reason I think it was a mistake is because he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. And the pro scouting and the Habs should have known that this guy was not going to be a minutes eater in Montreal and play... He wasn't going to be their their uh, solution to the left side at $4.6 million. Uh, So I don't know if it was a mistake on Bergevin or a mistake on the pro scouts, but either way, both of them got it wrong. Now he's the highest paid AHL player. And then the Markov situation, which we all been over many times, and Anyway, Matt, you're pretty quiet. What do you think? Do you think Alzner's an all-star, or do you think he made a mistake?
2: I think that they made a mistake on the length of the contract and um, obviously the the total number of dollars that were thrown into that contract. Um, You know, I started off when he came to the team, and I was skeptical that he could uh, bring some value to the team. You know, big-body guy, um, played in all situations, um, or played all defensive situations with the Capitals. But it just never worked out, and um, now I'm 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 really hoping that um, a team uh, will reach out and you know take him off the Canadians' hands. I I, I think that he's uh, he's paid his dues in the AHL, but there's no spot for him right now in the NHL. So I'm or at least not with the Canadians. So I'm hoping that uh, you know he'll find a home in the NHL, just not with the Canadians.
1: Know who made him look really good? No, Jolson. Just
2: throwing that out there. That's true. All right. Well, and and oh, on, and, and then and then on the Markov situation, I'll just just touch on that really quick. I don't believe that uh, it was handled the way that it should have been. Um, it would have been great to see his uh, his thousand games with the Canadians. Now we're obviously never going to see that, and um, I guess we'll I guess we'll wait and see if uh, we ever see anything for Markov again when it comes to the Canadians. There's uh, still people that want to see his uh, number retired, and we've talked about that before. Um, hopefully going forward, you know we won't see something like that happen for a player that played for so long with the Canadians. And uh, I'm going to add one to the list while I, while, uh, I have your attention. Um, I'm going to add a number six to that list as in uh, not signing... Alexander
1: Radulov. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm on the side of this is more of a Rad- I think Radulov used the Canadians to get himself back into the NHL.
2: And you know what he he may have. Yeah. But I I, I think that there were some there were some uh, there were some great times that he had with the Canadians during that first season. He brought a lot of fire to the to the lineup. He was. You know lights out in the playoffs for the you know only six games that they were uh, that they were there but you know having him on the roster would have solved a lot of issues
1: I I don't disagree I think my thing is and I think Blaine may agree with me I'll get back to him is I think Radulov had no intentions of going back to Montreal whatsoever I, I don't think he did I think he had intentions of making his money somewhere else in the NHL what do you what do you think there Blaine
0: uh yeah I
1: Unless it was a big contract, unless he got like seven, eight million dollars, I don't think he was coming back. Yeah, and
0: that's—I think that's been shown now uh, openly that uh, a lot of people have dug dug deeper on this, and they've come back with uh, with stories uh, that they've released uh, in French media and English media as well, where Radulov would have stayed had he gotten a much higher contract. So this is one of those: should you overpay a guy just to keep him? And when you have a thirty-one-year-old. Uh, winger, as exciting as he is, is he worth $8 million or $9 million a year for five, six years just to keep him there when in reality Radulov has proven himself to be uh, a mercenary. He he jumped ship from the NHL to go to the KHL so he can make more money and then he did the same thing to come back to the NHL because the KHL wasn't offering him what he wanted so he came to the NHL to make more money. And, and as a professional hockey player, that's what—that's that, his right. He has every right to do that. Mm-hmm. So, when he was offered the exact same contract in Montreal as what he signed for in Dallas, of course he's going to sign in Dallas because Dallas has almost no taxes. They just have the federal tax, no state tax. So he's he's ahead of the game by about eleven million dollars over the course of his contract. And to make up that difference, Bergeron would have had to obviously really overpay. And at the end of the day, the cap situation would be a huge issue. Uh, Are you worried? You'd be worried about his play starting to fall off near the end of the contract. And so I think the better decision for Radulov was to leave anyway. Is it a mistake on Berge mistake? Wasn't not signing him. His mistake was the whole take it or leave it. Attitude that he took with uh, Markov and Rajlov in the, in those negotiations. I think with, That's Mar- the mistake.
1: with Markov, he treated it too much like a business instead of like, you know, you don't treat a legend and a fan favorite like Markov.
0: Yeah. Like m- but business. Markov made mistakes on that too, he because did. he didn't and use, he didn't use a, 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 an agent. He went at it himself. And he so took it personal. He did. And he mentioned that he said, yeah, I took it a little too personally and that changed things. So, the blame is spread out a little bit there, but that is a mistake on Bergevin's part. Yeah, and the Great. whole "take it or leave it" stuff that he pulled between the two of them—that's a mistake. Yeah. But not signing him, I don't think, was the mistake per se.
1: Yeah, Matt. No, just kidding.
0: <laughs> I, I know my I know my
2: place now. Uh, next
0: next segment <laughs> next segment, please. All right. So oh, oh. <laughs> I still love you, Matt. Thanks, buddy.
1: I think you're cool. Anyway, uh, we'll end it uh, here with this segment here, and we'll go to a few commercials, and we'll talk stuff, and we'll hopefully make another 20 cents off this show with the commercials that we put in. Uh, anyway, we'll be back after this. See you after the commercials. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get burgiers. Burger. The gains you need. Gardens gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better characters so you can get the gains you need. Get Burgeyards, burger Burgeyards today. Not a real product, mate. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain and do not use if you're healthy, if you want it loyalty, buy a dog.
0: Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name.
1: And welcome back. Don't forget to get your no-name hockey stuff. Right, Blaine?
0: Yeah. That's right. On that no-name hockey stuff, uh, no-name hockey is still looking for uh, brand ambassadors. So, if you go to no-name hockey on Instagram or Twitter, uh, you'll find uh, a link to their ambassador program. There's uh, there's some free swag that you can that you can earn: uh, hats, gloves, um, jerseys. If you become one of their main ambassadors, you get free sticks. You could probably get some better uh, some new equipment. Uh, some personalized stuff. Uh, no name is sending me some, uh, some personalized hockey gloves right now. So that's, that's something that you could get if you become a brand ambassador. Uh, it is definitely worth it. It's high quality equipment. Uh, it's just, they personalize it for you and yeah, that's a, There you go. Sticks, gloves, pants. Uh, they'll, they'll set you up with decals for helmets uh, that you can get jerseys, hats, Toques, hockey bags, you name it. It's uh, it's all about the hockey, and it's it's good equipment at a decent price uh, that they'll personalize just for you.
1: No lacrosse stuff?
0: I mean, you can use some of this stuff for lacrosse, I guess.
1: Not really. But okay. Yeah. I, I, because of that, I'm out. I don't like the evaluation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't play enough hockey, but for people who play hockey, this is a great way to get... Uh, Get gear for yourself or your kids. And or
0: I'm going to be anymore. playing hockey on Tuesday. It's coming back, people. I'm going to be on the ice on Tuesday. But you can't. Great.
1: But you have to stay two meters apart. How's that going? To
0: work? I know it's going to be a practice, but who cares? I'm on the ice.
1: Don't break your knees again. Any more than they're broken now. <laughs> uh, so now that we're back, and we got the uh, blatant plug-in for the people that give us free stuff. Uh...
0: Thank you, Mr. Jason Goulet. <laughs>
1: Uh, we're going to talk uh, drafting. I did a mock draft for the hockey writers. I'm doing a lot of tooting my own horn here, aren't I? Toot, toot. Uh, uh, anyway, I put it out, and Blaine also did an article uh, about if the Habs actually beat Pittsburgh, which they can, which they could do. It's possible. Uh, and they would be picking 16 or higher. Now, I'm assuming, Blaine, you went with 16, that they beat Pittsburgh but lost in the next round, correct? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, because that sounds a little bit reasonable, but you never know. Uh, and Matt, I know you did a lot of research because you're big on these drafts. So, and we were talking offline and it looks like you did a lot of work. So, uh, we're going to start with you. So, I guess what I'm bringing out here is uh, coming up the draft. The draft's in, what, two weeks? 26, I think it is?
2: It's on the 26. So, still yeah. on the original day that it was supposed to be. Yeah.
1: So, we're going to do... Give me your. We're going to start off with our eights, and then we'll come back and go to our 16s. Okay? So, who do you oh. got Montreal picking eighth overall?
2: So, for me, it's uh, someone that I know you're very high on. It's Cole Perfetti. Um, he finished uh, second in OHL scoring this season uh, 37 goals, 74 assists. Uh, the only person that he was behind is uh, Marco Rossi. Um, he caught my eye during the Helenka Gretzky Cup. He scored eight goals and uh, four assists in five games. Like He was all over the ice, and I just kind of said, you know, who the hell is that kid, right? Um, in his annual assessment of NHL prospects, Craig Button stated he's the best hockey IQ in the entire 2020 draft class, and he compared him to a uh, Artemi Panarin. Um, during the uh, OHL coaches poll for the Western Conference, Perfetti was named the smartest player, the best playmaker, the best stick handler, and the best shootout shooter. So very all round skills right there. All good things that you want to hear from uh, from a top prospect. Um, And speaking of those skills, he's an excellent puck handler and playmaker, um, but also he possesses a very quick and accurate shot. So if he doesn't see the lane, uh, if he can't find a passing lane, which is very, very rare, um he's got a a shot that's accurate enough that he can finish the job himself i mean he's one of those type guys that he can slow the pace of a game and he can draw the uh, attention of the defenders and he can make these passes that most players won't be able to make Um, very high hockey iq reads play very well with or without the puck Uh, he'll go to the dirty areas of batter he'll battle for possession and uh, he should definitely be a lock for the uh, World Juniors this year and play a key role for Team
0: Canada.
1: That was more than six lines, Matt. You lied to us. (laughs) All right, Blaine, what's your number eight pick?
0: Well, on the little mock draft that we set up using that automated system, I got Jack Quinn. Um, If I had to choose... So personally, my choice would be a sniper at number eight. And I think if Holtz were on the board, he'd be my pick, personally. Uh, I think he's going to be probably the better goal scorer out of the off the wings out of this draft. Um, but I can't really knock choosing Jack Quinn at eight because he was one of the top goal scorers in junior hockey this year, and he's just an all-around player. I think the fact that there is no... Uh, Uh, NHL combine it's going to cause a lot of picks like this to kind of skew towards well what do I who do I know better so if the European scouts for the Canadians have seen Holtz play more and they push him hard enough I think he'd be the pick if not it'll be the North American scouts and they'd be pushing for Jack Quinn I believe either way the Canadians still need scoring and both are going to be uh, top six scoring wingers in the NHL, so I don't think you can go wrong with either one.
2: Like uh, uh, if
0: I'm looking at uh, Grant McCagg's uh, scouting reports on recruits.ca, Matt, you you know about recruits, don't you? I do know about recruits. Yeah. So uh, a friend of the show, Grant McCagg, sent me one of his uh, his draft his draft articles and he's, uh, he's fairly high on Jack Quinn as well as a lot of scouts that he has spoken to. Um, they, they, they all pretty much say the same thing I just did that, you know, the, he's a good solid two way winger. He can score. He, uh, and I believe Tom button on TSN did something on uh, Quinn just recently. And he, sh- he mentioned how, there's nothing spectacular in his game, but the whole is better than the sum of the parts. So he he doesn't score just one way. He scores in a lot of different ways. And both players, Holtz and Quinn, are players that are not afraid to go to the dirty areas of the ice to score goals. And let's be honest, that is something drastically <laughs> required in a Canadiens lineup. So either one would be an excellent pick, in my opinion.
1: All right, then. Wow, you guys really went into this. I did not go into this great detail.
0: Um, <laughs> and now
2: for uh, for Treg Wilson's take.
1: Uh, this shouldn't take very long at all. Um, no, so, uh, Cole Perfetti was my pick, and if you read my article, that's who I had picked first overall. Uh, but I, since you, uh, if he's available, I'm going to throw out a few names here. Uh, Marco Rossi, who I don't think will be available. as he available at 8, I think he's your go-to guy. Uh, according to Sportsnet, I'm looking at right now, he's ranked fifth. Holtz is ranked fourth. Uh, according to Elite Prospects, uh, they're both in the top five. Holtz is actually sixth at, at Elite Prospects. Um, Dylan Holloway is another guy. He's another NCAA guy, though, so I don't know if Montreal wants to go that route. Uh, and Anton Lundell is another guy that I don't think people are talking about. He's a, he's out of the league of uh, K for in Liga. Uh, he's still questionable offensively, and I don't think you're going to get the corner guy that you're talking about Blaine. and I totally agree. You need a guy that go in the corner. Uh, but to me, I think if they can get one or the other, Perfetti or Rossi are the guys are going to get, because they're both going to give you a good 200-foot game. They're both going to uh, put the puck in the net. They both can stick candle. They both can move the puck. They both can pass, and they both can go into the corners and. Uh, and uh, the only thing about them is they're both under six feet. So, but if you look at this draft, there's not too many people. There's not too many big players in this draft, like highly ranked, really.
0: No, I don't think size is going to be the big factor not. in picking someone. Yeah. Uh, but I do think the skill sets that the Canadians are looking for, that's going to be the big thing. Yeah. So do they, they got enough playmakers. I mean, most of their guys are, you know, two way playmaker types. What they need is more shooters. So I think if they can find uh, a centerman who can, like a scoring centerman, I think Perfetti would be a, more of a fit in there as opposed to Rossi. But
1: well, Rossi's more uh, of a playmaker.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and he, prolific. I mean, he, play, he plays on the same team as Jack Quinn, mm. and people may think, well, Quinn's 52 goals this year are a product of playing with Rossi, but they'd be wrong because... He didn't play any time five-on-five with Rossi.
1: Oh, Blaine really did his homework. Yeah. But imagine Rossi setting up Cole Caulfield.
0: Yeah, or or Kotniemi, or Suzuki, or anyone, uh, Wheel, perhaps.
1: I personally don't think they should go the center route, <laughs> and I don't think Wheel, Jesus. Uh He's going to be our third-line center going into the Pittsburgh series, I'm telling you right now.
0: The heck with it. He'll be the first-line center. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh,
1: All good picks. In the end, uh, from your heart, who's the guy they're picking if they get the eighth pick? Blaine. Blaine. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I I didn't say a name, so I'll go Blaine. I'll go Alphabetical. In my heart,
0: if they get the eighth pick, I think they're going to go Quinn because Trevor Timmons Lives directly up the street from Quinn and has watched him play growing up.
1: All right, so he's not getting Quinn. Uh, Matt, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to stick
2: with uh, I'm going to stick with Perfetti out of the, uh, the, you know, the consensus right now is the top four is going to look something like Lefrenier, Stutzel, Byfield, Dr- um, Jamie Drysdale. So that's going to give you one of Perfetti, Holtz, Lucas Raymond, or Rossi.
0: Which you can't so, go wrong with any of the four. Which you can't opinion. go
2: wrong with it with any of those four. Um, however, I think that uh, Perfetti is going to be the guy that's going to drop into their lap, and um, I, I'd be happy with that.
1: Another name that we haven't brought up is Lucas Raymond. He's a he's a possibility too. A slight possibility. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just but so I've been a hearing a lot of uh, I've been seeing a lot of stuff online and uh, some uh, some draft talk on him. And I think it's more of a factor of people watching him too much where they're starting to, they're, they're they're picking his game apart. They're trying to find errors in his game. It's one of those things. So I think he might end up being one of those guys that slips a little bit.
1: According to the hockey writers, he's number three in their yep. updated version. And uh, Perfetti's still at eight with uh, Alexander Holtz actually going nine. So Holtz could be available. Would you take Perfetti or Holtz there, uh that.
2: it's a uh, it's, it's hard to say because they're two they're two completely different players mm-hmm. you know one's a one's a two-way uh one's a two-way guy that can play a complete game and then you've got holtz who's a complete sniper so it's it, it's hard to say i'd be happy with either one of them to be completely honest
0: blaine i, I would i would lean on to the skill side you can teach someone to play some defense and holtz is decent defensively uh, I've listened to a lot of, uh, I've listened to his coach describe him on other podcasts. I'm not going to name them because you know, they're not us. Um, we're <laughs> not in
1: a competition blade.
0: I know, but I'm I'm trying to remember the name of the podcast and I can't at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm drawing a blank. So I'm not, I can't name them. Uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, I heard his coach speak about him and he, he spoke glowingly about his defensive game, how it has improved. So I would, I would lean towards Holtz because scoring goals is at a premium in today's NHL, as in any other time. And the Canadians desperately need guys who can shoot and score.
1: Speaking of people who are really good with uh, writing about of that, how do you think Matt would fit in with recruits?
0: I think he'd be a perfect fit. I think he would be too.
1: Anyway, just throw that out there.
0: I think, I think I'm going to send Grant a message and mention that to him. Yeah, Because Grant is a friend of the show.
1: He is he was on the show. we did an interview with the show not too long ago as a matter of fact yep. before you went away for your thing I mean very insightful. I subscribe to his recruits every year be Matt nice. what
0: do you think what
2: do you think that Matt? Be so- yeah I think Grant does a great job with his uh with his annual write up to All be right. honest i I also am a subscriber I think it's uh it's a very good tool to have for uh anybody that uh is Let's just say um, involved with uh, with prospects as much as we are, and um, I highly suggest it to anybody to uh, to check it out and to see what he has to say.
0: Jeez, he must have been great at dodgeball. Yeah, Chuck. <laughs> jeez, Matt's
1: like the you should work for Trump. You should be his PR guy. <laughs> Man, you make that guy look like a totally separate person. <laughs> I didn't mean that in a bad way. I didn't mean I, I. I don't think you should be an asshole. I just mean you can make that asshole look like a better asshole. I guess.
0: <laughs> well, hey, don't be comparing Grant to Trump either. No, no, no. I'm that saying would...
1: Matt should work for Trump because of the way he no. spoke there, the the political correctness he used there. Anyway. Yeesh. Yeesh. All right, so we're gonna on. move on. We're gonna move. Wow, two shows. We mentioned Brandon Kelly and fuck Donald Trump. What's going on here? <laughs>
0: We let you be in charge. <laughs>
1: and look at the viewer, look at the listenership we're getting. Anyway, uh, going on next, and we'll start a game with Matt. So at 16, Matt, who do you get?
2: So it's uh, 16th overall, give or take. We'll, we'll call it 16. Yeah. Um, I have the Canadians uh, picking Connors there. That's a good pick. Um, another guy that caught my eye during a, a tournament, uh, it was during the U18s. He put up uh, seven points in seven games. Uh, this season, he had 38 goals and 48 assists with uh, the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, he plays a solid 200-foot uh, game as well. Um, he can be used in any situation, power play, penalty kill, matchup against top lines, etc. He's also a guy that's going to be or should be part of Team Canada. And uh, another little tidbit around him, because he's a late birthday, he will be eligible for the AHL after next season. So if they were to take him, we could see him in Laval sooner rather than later.
1: Blaine, who do you got at 16?
0: Um, see, that's a tough one because at 16, you, people haven't really been paying that much attention to it. But I did do a piece on, at the Hockey Writers. Two, what? Two, on exactly this. I
1: thought I was the only guy that tooted my own stories.
0: Well, I mean, I don't want to be left out. <laughs> but... Um, one option that uh, I mentioned was uh, based on a uh, an article by Mark Shag, uh, Sh- sorry Mark Shag, over at the Hockey Writers, and he wrote about a Sault Ste. Marie defenseman by the name of O'Rourke, calling him the steal of the draft. Ooh. So at 16, you could always go pick up this six foot two, 200 pound. Uh, let's see, was he 200 pounds? Yeah, around there, six foot. Yeah. 6'2", 181 pound, uh, left-handed defenseman. Uh, he put up some good points with, uh, with Sault Ste. Marie. He's a physical guy. He, he skates extremely well, uh, great gap control. Um, his skills are, it's a pretty safe bet to say that he'll project as an NHL defenseman. So at 16, that's, you know, that's a fairly safe pick and he might end up becoming a top pair guy. He could be the steal of draft at that point. Um, Another guy I mentioned was Dawson Mercer. Now, people who live in the Quebec region, the Maritimes, they've seen this kid play in uh, the Quebec Major Junior League. He's a solid centerman. He' he's a good, solid two-way guy. Uh, he can put up points. He can play well defensively. He can play physically. So it, it's when you get to the middle of the draft, for someone who hasn't slid down in, down the drafts like uh, Caulfield did last year, Picking at 16 is kind of a the, – the percentages of picking an impact player are a little bit lower. So I can see the Canadians going with picking safer picks. So guys like Mercer, guys like O'Rourke. Uh, but I don't think they can go wrong with that. You want good, solid NHLers from your picks. So I think these guys could step up. Mercer could become that middle six uh, centerman. He could be shifted to the wing, maybe play uh, play in a top six role. I know other people may mention Hendricks Lapierre. Uh, He is a highly skilled forward. Uh, People say he's a top five talent, but when you have three concussions in one season, that's going to cause some uh, cause him to slide. And I'm going to be honest. I would avoid drafting him just because of the worry and the concern that the next concussion would be the would probably be the last one. And Losing a high-end pick like that uh, will hurt the Canadians in the long run.
2: He's a guy that I can see maybe even slipping into round two just because of those uh, those injury uh, issues that he's had. And yeah. um, they actually, if I remember right, yes, he had the concussions, but wasn't there it was like a slip disc in his neck or his back or something as well that attributed to some of this injury?
0: Um, yeah, I've heard something about that, but I, I. I'd have to research a little bit right. more. And, this,
2: and these aren't things you want to hear when you're talking about, you know, a 17, 18 year old, especially when you're using your first round pick on him. Absolutely. So I'd steer clear of him myself. Wouldn't, it would not surprise me if he still went in the first round, but, um, you know, the skill is there. We know the skill is there, but those health concerns are, are as you said, a, a big red flag. Huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If, if he fell to the canadians in the second round yeah it's a second round pick they've got three of them give it a shot absolutely you know take a home run swing but you got to you can't be you got to be very careful with that 16th pick if you've somehow beaten the penguins and moved on the, a lot of the fan base is already angry if you miss on that on that pick oh, they're going to they're going yeah, to they're, com- they're coming for it. they're coming oh, for you yeah. Yeah. absolutely but uh, I wouldn't be against using those three picks to move up into the first round again. So if the Canadians can find a second first-round pick this year, I think they'd do well.
2: Absolutely. There is skill throughout the first round. It is a, it is a pretty deep draft this year.
0: Yeah, and and it, it, having the three picks in the second round is is a is helpful. They'll be able to find guys who can, you know, say someone like I I don't know. Kuznetsov, uh, was it? I'm trying to pronounce his name properly. Shakir Mukhu- Mukhamedulin. The one, the one with all the letters, yeah. <laughs> and
2: he played for he played for yeah. Russia in the under-18s. Yeah. the, under- uh, <laughs> yeah. the one, much the I one with all his, the letters. I can't say his name either. I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I, can't I say it. a trag on that.
1: Lucas Reichel would be a good pick too if you, if you yep. want to get a second one late yeah. or Hendrick LaPierre. If you really like you mentioned him earlier, if you can get him as a second first round pick,
0: honestly, anyone who, if anyone slides yeah. that first, second round pick that the Canadians own is an excellent spot to grab one of those guys sliding. Cause at this point with the number of picks, the Canadians have put together in the last couple of years, which I think in the last counting this draft and the two before it, the Canadians sit around 54 to 56 picks. Take a home run swing. If you miss on it, Oh well, uh, it's a second-round pick. You got two more, but take that chance.
1: Even Brendan Bryson could be a good pick as a late first-round pick.
0: Absolutely. Yep.
2: Did you uh, did you mention your uh, your pick? Uh, no, I have
1: correct? not. I was just letting you guys <laughs> babble.
2: Well, we we would love to hear your sixteenth pick.
1: My sixteenth pick, uh, I, I I cut it down to two, and I'm kind of going off the uh, the board here. Uh, I have uh, Rodian a- Amarov. Um, he is a six foot, 168 pound winger. Uh, he played three, in all three of the major Russian leagues—the KHL, VHL, and MHL. Uh, he's a threat in open ice, and he's shifting and can skate well, uh, for his size. Although he isn't, he needs to thicken up. Uh, he's not a fast skater, but he knows how to to uh, get open, and he's a great passer and stuff, and uh, and uh, he can put the puck in the net. Um, he's he's his potentials would be a top six forward and, uh, in sports net, he's, he's, uh, picked to go 17th overall and, and elite prospect they got him at 21, I think. So it's not really that far of a pick, uh, for, um, my other pick is go, I'm going with a, a kind of a, another guy off the, well, it's not really off the board, but another guy that's, uh, um, not as well known, but John Jason uh, Paterica to the German League. Um, he's a solid. Uh, he's he's a B grade prospect in NHL scouting. Uh, however, uh, he has impressive skills. In forty eight games with Red Bull Munich, he had forty five goals, ninety four points. Um, he went into the. Uh, del and in six games scored three goals so he played in their little pro league went there scott wheeler thinks he's the uh uh steel of the draft if you want to go with whatever scott wheeler says Uh, i just want to
2: add something to him really really quick if uh if any of our listeners are wondering who jj brudaka is if you watch the juniors he was the other guy not named Tim Stutzel that was really fucking moving on the ice
1: <laughs> that's i was I was actually gonna bring that up when he went yeah. go back to the Juniors. He was the only other guy on that team that uh did anything,
2: Because I remember seeing yeah. him play, and I'm like, "Who the hell is this kid and like when is he eligible to be drafted Because he caught my eye and I had to look him up right away yeah. and uh he's drawn comparisons to uh to uh to Patrick Kane, you know? So, like, I'm... You know, if you get a guy like that in the second round... Ra- or get a guy like that in the first round or be able to move up with a second pick in the first round, you know, maybe uh, maybe you got to take a swing on that.
1: Yeah, and uh, in his league, only two players in the past decade have scored more points than he has, and that's Stutzel and Reichel. So, he's... a so pretty impressive company. He's, a, he's in pretty impressive company out of Germany. Uh, now... His draft pres- is a mid-first. T- he's going to be in the twenty-five to thirty-one range. Uh, he has a size issue. He's not really a huge guy. He's only five eleven, one ninety-two, but still, that's around six foot. So, um, yeah. So, looking at that, it's. Uh, I think that's my pick. I went off the board. Blaine, you played safe, and Matt, you. You're you're the draft dude, so anyway. Um.
2: <laughs> well, seeing that everyone brought up two, I'll bring up a second guy really quick. And uh, for me, it'd be another. It would be a defenseman, um, highly competitive guy, physical. You know, plays with a mean streak, but can play the two way game. And that's uh, Braden Schneider. Uh, played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, alternate captain. Uh, Craig Button recently compared him to Jacob Truba. Um, he's another guy that's going to compete for a spot at the juniors. Uh, plays in all situations and uh, yeah he's very you know very competitive player uh, very fierce on the ice doesn't give you a lot of space and will definitely uh, put you on your ass if you uh, if you have your head down
1: well there you have it i think either way uh the Canes is going to get a good player uh, i prefer they pick eighth and not 16th but Either way, I think they're going to get a, get a good player. I think uh, – uh, and I do agree with Blaine. I think they have to uh, – I think they should use those second-round picks and see if they can get another first-round pick.
2: Which is good even- – yeah. Or even flip a couple of those picks and try to get some uh, somebody to that can help Ex- the team exactly. Really.
1: But here's the issue I have: as uh, they're doing this draft, or they're doing the lotto anyway on the twenty 20- sixth. Are they doing the draft on the twenty sixth? Not doing the draft. No, they're doing the lottery. They're doing the lottery. 26th, yeah, the, yeah. And the draft, from the what I've seen recently, from uh, I think it was on TSN or the draft's going to be in October. Uh, the season I think phase three starts in July. Uh, they're hoping the season will start go August, September. The draft in October, with the twenty twenty one season starting in November. So that'll be interesting. Anyway, it's
2: gonna be it's gonna be so weird, wave when they have the draft because you're gonna look at players. For instance, a guy like Cole Perfetti, I'll bring him up, or um, we'll even talk about uh, Lefreniere or Byfield. Um some people think that Byfield's going to jump into the NHL as of next year.
0: No, um, not likely.
2: I, don't, I th- don't think so. I don't think so either, but some people say that he might. I don't think anyone uh, in this draft
1: thing. will just because they don't have enough time to prepare for it.
2: I think Lefrenier is the only one that's going to jump into the league jump in right away.
0: That yeah, made, and uh, with Byfield, it, my guess is he's going to go number 2 and I think it's Ottawa that's going to have that pick. Yeah. And right now Ottawa is doing the thing where they're letting the guys play in the junior yep. then they're going to bring them up for a year. You know, have a couple of years of seasoning before they join the team because they're, they're in no rush. So Exactly. But the thing that kind of bothers me or the thing that kind of throws
2: me off to do with that is we'll use Lafreniere. Lafreniere, we can assume is probably going to jump up into the NHL because he's probably going to go to Detroit. Yeah. And um, with that being said, it's not like the OHL, the WHL, the Q, et cetera, aren't going to start up. So you're going to have a guy playing for a junior team, and then all of a sudden you're drafted. So you're getting pulled off your junior team, and then going into the NHL.
0: But we saw this before uh, during the lockout when, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, when Galchenyuk played most of the season with Sarnia and then jumped and joined the Canadians.
2: It's it's true, that's true. It's just it's just it's it's a weird situation because there's there's talks about uh Lafreniere, like going to Europe and playing professional hockey over there and then waiting till he gets drafted and then going to the NHL like there's there's so many rumors out there right now and it's uh it's something that you need to do your research on and you really need to read up on like even this uh even this draft or this lotto that they're going to have on the 26 like it's confusing as it is well yeah and I'm sure because... and I'm sure that I'm sure that when they actually start making these picks, they're going to have to go over this whole, um, all the parameters once again, because it was pretty confusing when, uh, when Batman talked about it. Well,
1: basically well, there's the top seven, I, The I, seven teams out, their names are going to be there. And the eight teams who are not out, they're going to be listed ABCDEFGH, right? And yep. then if you're, depending on where you're ranked, when you get booted out of the first round, That's where you'll slide in for the pick. So if Montreal puts out Pittsburgh, right, Pittsburgh doesn't necessarily, like, say, Montreal, Team A, which would be the bottom team, so we could say Montreal gets the third pick. Now, this is my understanding. You guys can correct me. No,
0: no, that's not how it works. I've, I've, I, uh, I I put my pin tweet has this. Uh, so the seven teams that are named, uh, that are already out, they're going to be in this phase one of this, uh, this lottery Mm -hmm. and everybody else will be numbered you know like team abc like you said but the thing is if one of those uh unnamed teams wins one of the three picks then there's a phase two to the lottery so once all those teams that lose in the play-in join up to that uh, to fill in all those slots then another
1: lottery to see who gets that pick
0: to see which one of those remaining 8 teams gets that say third overall pick.
1: See, I think that's stupid.
0: But that's how they're doing it. And if there's uh, if you want to follow along, I have it on my it's uh, it's on my uh, my account, uh, my Twitter account, I have it pinned as my pinned tweet cuz it is very confusing. If so one, if two, Toronto
1: three, gets put out of the first round. Yeah, they have a chance to get a top 3 pick.
0: If the top one of those top 3 picks is given to one of those unnamed teams, because in phase one, if the seven teams that are already out, Get the top if three they picks. win the top three, it's done. There is no phase two. Right, it's done, right. And, and then it just Montreal... goes by placing. Yeah, so yeah. Montreal gets put, uh, booted by uh, Pittsburgh in the first round. Then they go back down into their eighth spot where they were before. Right. If Pittsburgh is booted out, then they're likely going to pick fifteenth. It goes by, uh, it goes by the win percentage at that point. Right.
1: I think that's how it should be, period. I don't think there should be two differences to this thing. I don't... Well, I suppose they kind of have to, but...
0: Yeah. Still. I still... We're I... going gonna to see something very, very uh, confusing on the 26th. There's going to be a lot of confusion. There's going to be a lot of screaming and yelling, and that's just in my house.
1: Okay. So, not to cut you guys off, but we're running out of time. oh This is a whole other subject we can get into uh yeah, you don't want to be pushing too much time, boys. Unless you want to. I don't care, really. But whatever. No, we're good. Yeah, we're good. So, Matt, good picks, blank hey. good picks. My picks were okay, but I kind of went off the board.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was nothing wrong with your picks, honestly. And uh, the guys that you talked about, they, they could all end up being solid, solid picks. They might be a little bit off the board when it comes to uh, a guy on
1: tuesday and that's that and also hopefully next week we will debut our new show uh, called Habs sit rep which is basically a standard weekly these are the new the haves news the rumors and any big news or rumors uh with the haves and the rest of the nhl so thanks for listening uh yeah and that's the show uh blaine matt
0: anything to say
2: Uh, Thanks always to all our listeners, and uh, thanks
0: for all your support.
1: Blaine?
0: I have to echo what Matt said. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll say the same thing. Thanks, guys. And hopefully uh, you'll hear us again on Tuesday. And trivia to see who is the ultimate Habs -er knower-aller. It's probably going to be Blaine, but that's just what I'm saying. All right, boys. See you next week.
0: And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.